If you look back through the 20th century to the 1900s, there were some amazing advertising campaigns that, uh, that took place. And some of those advertising campaigns had slogans and uh, uh, little phrases that stuck with us, kind of jumped out at us. In fact, even stay with us today. Uh, when you think about Nike, you think about what? What is theirs? Just do it. Came in there. Uh, the Army, be all that you can be. Oh, you see those commercials. You want to be all that you can be. And whenever you saw Campbell's Soup, when there was a Campbell's Soup commercial, they would sing a little jingle and says, Campbell's Soup is mm-mm good. Yeah, and all of those were good ones. But Advertising Age did a study of all of the campaigns and came up with what they believed was the number one most effective campaign in the 20th century, the one that brought brand loyalty and boosted the sales. And it was the campaign for the Volkswagen Beetle, and it was entitled Think Small. Think small. You may remember this ad. And what made this ad so amazing is that it went totally against where we were in the 1950s and 60s. Because in the late 50s and the early 60s, all the automobile makers were making cars bigger and bigger because we had the boomer families and, and people were having a lot of kids. And so they said, you need to have a bigger car. And so bigger is better. And they kept telling all of Everyone in America, you need to buy a bigger, bigger car. And then all of a sudden, Volkswagen comes up and introduces this Beetle, which is not only small, but it's ugly. Now, I hate to tell it to you Beetle people over here, but during that day, they said, it's tiny and it's ugly, so how in the world will we sell this car? And so they went with a marketing campaign, and it said, think small. And it suggested for people to think small. And it turned brand loyalty to where people began to rush to the Volkswagen Beetle. Think small. What's interesting, if you go back to the first century and you think about what was going on at the time of Jesus, there was this fever of expectation that a Messiah was going to be coming. But the way the Jews thought is they thought when the Messiah comes, he's coming in big. I mean big. I mean, it's going to be like a warrior king. And when the warrior king comes in, he is going to be, you know, uh, kicking some rears and taking names. And, and it's going to be all this external dramatic change. And this kingdom's going to come pouring in. And uh, we're going to be at the top and just going to be like that. Think big. And then Jesus in his teaching begins to explain to them what the kingdom of God is like. And the kingdom of God, which is the reign and rule of God in our lives, and then the reign and rule of God over all creation. He says, if you're going to understand the kingdom of God, you need to think small. Don't think big. Think small. Which is completely opposite of what they thought was going to happen. And so in order for Jesus to explain to them about the kingdom of God, he used parables. And parables, it was a, it was a story that, that had everyday events in them, everyday type of objects and people in it that weren't, that was placed alongside a particular teaching so that they could better understand its meaning. And the kingdom of God is just so massive to understand, he talked about several parables. And we talked about a seer, uh, the uh, uh, sower and the seed two weeks ago. And then Dr. Carter talked about the wheats and the tares and that the kingdom of God is like wheat that's ready for harvest. 
And then Jesus tells two small parables, the ones that Michael read to you. One is about a mustard seed, and the other is about leaven or yeast that goes in bread. And in both of these, he's talking about something that is very small, but yet the impact is unbelievable. The consequences will be completely out of proportion of the insignificant beginnings. And what God, what Jesus is telling us is that the kingdom of God is like these small beginnings, but then the results are going to be unbelievable, completely out of proportion of the small beginning. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to keep it open to Matthew chapter 13. And as he's telling them a parable, he starts out with the the seed, the mustard seed. And so the very first point I want you to see here is small seed but extensive growth. In verse 31, the kingdom of heaven is like a giant, uh, like a grain, excuse me, like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and he sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds. Now, during that day, when they would look at all the different seeds, they would know that a mustard seed was one of the smallest seeds. In fact, someone said, I read somewhere, where you would have to take 20,000 mustard seeds to equal one ounce. That's some little bitty seeds. And it says, out of that small seed, that, that grain of mustard seed, when you take that seed and it places in the ground, look what happens. Even though it's the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and they make nests in the branches. Now, during that day, when someone's planting his garden, he's got all his different herbs here, when he plants a mustard seed, it will pretty quickly grow into a, really a shrub that is about 10 to 12 feet tall, 10 to 12 feet tall. And so Jesus, when he calls it a tree, it's, it's kind of like a hyperbole over here. You got the smallest of, of seeds and you get this large tree, but yet it was large enough to where birds could put their nest in there. And he says that the kingdom of God is like this. It's like this, just this small seed. It's just a small beginning. And out of this is going to grow this large shrub. And so what God has said here is that the kingdom of God is like this. It's going to start out small. It's just a small beginning. But then what's going to happen is that God is going to bring more and more people into his kingdom as people receive Christ and accept him as their Lord. And then all of a sudden this thing begins to grow extensively. He says, you know, it it starts out pretty small. There's just Jesus. And then there's his followers. And then this thing is going to multiply. You see, the disciples needed to understand this. Because as Jesus is telling these parables, he's wanting his followers, these 12 men that he's going to leave the task of world evangelism with, and he wants them to understand, it starts out small. The kingdom of God is not going to come be rushing in on some huge takeover. It starts small, just like the mustard seed. You will have a small beginning, and in those small beginnings, then it's going to grow. But when it grows... It's going to be extensive growth. And what will happen is the kingdom's going to grow steadily in people's hearts. It's going to make a difference in people's lives. It's going to prepare them for life to come in God's eternal kingdom. And then one day, when Jesus returns, his kingdom will reign over the entire earth. And this kingdom that had such small beginnings will grow and produce great results. It's like Jesus is looking at his disciples, and in this particular instance is saying, think small. 
Think small. Small beginnings. Small seed, sizable shrub. Small seed, sizable shrub. Keep this in your mind. You're going to start this work, and when you start this work, you're going to be thinking, is this really all worth it? Listen, small seed, sizable shrub. Think small. So, what does this mean for us, and what does it mean for disciples? Well, I think it means two things particularly. Number one, don't be discouraged with small beginnings. Don't be discouraged with small beginnings. I want you to just think about this. Jesus, for three years, is walking with these 12 disciples. As he gets to the end of his days on earth, one of his disciples betrays him and then commits suicide, so he's got 11 disciples. And he dies on a cross. Three days later, he's raised from the dead. And for 40 days, he's walking with his disciples, and he's talking to them, and he's sharing things about the kingdom. And then there comes that time when he goes up on the mount, and he ascends to heaven. And before he ascends to heaven, he gives them this command. And he says, you're to go into all the world. You're to go into all the world. And you're going to take the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. This is what you're to do. You are to take the gospel to all the world. I don't know about you, but I'm sitting there thinking, if I'm one of those 11 guys, I'm saying, golly, are you kidding me? Us? And then when it says they go back to a room and, and they began to pray, there's like about 100 people there. So, you know, we just got maybe about 120 or so followers. And Jesus says, you're to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. And these guys are looking, they're saying, it's just a small group of people sitting in this room. Think how big Jerusalem is. Think how big the Roman Empire is. We're just a small little group of people. What difference can we make? And what Jesus is telling him, I don't want you to get discouraged with these small beginnings. Because the small beginnings is the potential for the future of the kingdom. And the future of the kingdom is greater than they can ever imagine. And the ultimate fruitfulness of the word of God and the definitive presence of the kingdom of God are assured. He says there's no cause for discouragement because where there's a small seed, there will be a sizable shrub. It's just going to be small beginnings. Historians have said that after 40 years, within 40 years of Jesus' death, the gospel had reached all the great cultural centers of the Roman world and many out-of-the-way places. In 40 years, this little band of followers took the gospel to all the major cultural areas all throughout the Roman Empire within 40 years. Small seed, sizable shrub. So what I want to tell you is that don't be discouraged with small beginnings. This is the way God's got it. You know, God doesn't just all of a sudden jump up and we have huge things. Now, God can do that. But for the most part, it is small beginnings. You've started a Bible study. Small beginnings. Don't get discouraged. It may be a Bible study at work. It may be a Bible study at school. Maybe one in your neighborhood. It starts with small beginnings. Don't get discouraged. Where there's a small seed, there'll be a sizable shrub. For some of you, you look around and you say, <clears throat> like there's no believers on my team. I mean, I'm on a ball team and, and I'm the only one or there's either one other believer. Hey, small beginnings. Maybe I'm, I'm like the only one in my office or maybe there's one or two others that are believers. Small beginnings. I, it may be in my neighborhood uh, that there's not a, a, a presence of Christ there and I'm one of the few ones. Small beginnings. 
Don't get freaked out by that. Don't get discouraged by it. Because Jesus looked at his followers and he said, hey guys, it's starting with like a mustard seed. It's small beginnings. But you got to trust this. It's going to grow. It's going to be sizable. And it's going to be an amazing kingdom impact. On, uh, <clears throat> on Friday, we had a funeral for Dave Belcher, uh, who passed away last Sunday. There's just a great crowd of people that were here. And, and as we began to talk about uh, some of the legacies that, that Dave had, one of the legacies was with the FCA at Auburn. And back in 1999, when Tommy Tuberville became the head coach at Auburn University, he made the statement, I've got an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and I need a spiritual coordinator. And so he approached Dave Belcher and a couple other people, and he said, I would really love to be able to get a chaplain to work with our young men over here. And that was a vision that was thrown out there. And, and Dave Belcher took a hold of that, and with some other guys coming along, he took leadership and said, we can make this work. And it went from a small gathering of men uh, up in Vestavia Country Club, up in a small room, to where it grew until where there were 450, 500 people in attendance uh, in a huge area down on 280. It was amazing how it grew. And it, what had happened is, is that this little small seed just began to grow, and as it grew, over the next 14 years, all of a sudden, there's not just Chet Williams at Auburn University. There are seven staff members at Auburn covering every sport there. So any person that, that plays in athletics at least will hear the gospel and will hear the message of Christ. And the funding for this is because of the leadership of a Dave Belcher and some others that said, we can do this, and they tackled it, and they invested their time, and they invested their effort. It was just a small seed that was planted there uh, in late 99, early 2000. It was a mustard seed, and now it's grown up to this incredible shrub that's having an impact. But not just that, but what happens is, is people will travel uh, from all around the country, other colleges. And they will come to Auburn so that they can be trained on how to be a chaplain. And then that chaplaincy goes to other schools. It's amazing. And I shared that story at the funeral. And when the funeral was over, standing right here, a guy by the name of Wayne Dickens, who played on Auburn's team back in the early 2000 and is now on staff at FCA, he said, man, Pastor Danny, he said, when you were telling that story, he said, well, I just started getting chills. He said, you know, Chet Williams led me to Christ in 2003. He said, what would have happened if Dave Belcher had not stepped up and said, we can do that? What if Dave had said, you know, man, I got a car dealership, I got family, got all this stuff to do, ah, it's just not for me. What if that never happened? And you could just see the look on his face. He says, you know, I may have never made a decision for Christ. And I sure wouldn't be on FCA staff helping people. You see, it's just a little mustard seed. It just started a small beginning, but then it turned into this sizable shrub. So what I want to encourage you, this is the way the kingdom works. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Because that little small beginning that you've got, Satan's going to slide up to you and say, it's just not worth it. Man, you're just not getting the results on it. You need to back off of it. No, you pray, and if God keeps you going forward, say, God, I'm going to keep going forward because I'm planning the mustard seed, and it will be a sizable shrub. God is going to see it work. Second thing, be encouraged that God can use you regardless, okay? Now this is, as you look at this, he's talking about the kingdom of, kingdom of God. And I thought about that with a mustard seed and, uh, and shrub, and I said, you know, too many times we will make excuses as to why we cannot be used by God. 
So I just thought through this. I said, well, you know, uh, we can be encouraged that God can use you regardless of your age. Regardless of your age, God can use you. Don't ever sit here and say, I'm too young or I'm too old to be used by God. We've got stories of elementary school children in our church who are sharing their faith with other elementary school kids at school, fourth graders and fifth graders sharing their faith with other kids. We've got stories of teachers and coaches whose lives have been impacted by teenagers who were living for Christ in the classroom and also on the athletic field. And we've got some of these guys that are one and women that are coming to Christ because of the influence of teenagers. It doesn't matter if you're single, doesn't matter if you're married, no matter how old you are, senior adult, you never graduate from having an impact on the kingdom of God. You know, there are theirs that are senior adults that are strong soul winners. There are senior adults that are strong prayer warriors. I get an opportunity to talk to a lot of people that have planted churches throughout North America. And there are a number of times when they step into a particular city, a particular area, there will be a senior adult that will come to them and say, I cannot tell you how thankful I am that you are here. I have been praying for years that God would put a Christian witness right here. You're an answer to those prayers. Small seed. Mustard seed, okay? Be encouraged and God can use you regardless of your age and regardless of your appearance. Regardless of your appearance. I didn't print it out. I didn't put it in my notes, but I don't know if you've ever, just go online one day and say, uh, what did Paul look like? The Apostle Paul. I've got a photo in my wallet that I keep up. No, but people have described, historians have described Apostle Paul. It's not a pretty picture. He's not like, like he's a GQ guy. I mean, the way they describe it is, uh, I mean, he's a guy that when you'd look at him, you'd say, this guy can't be successful. No, he just ended up writing half the, half the New Testament. It was the beginning of the missionary movement taking the gospel. And our church, uh, we have an offering every year called Lighty Moon Offering. Most people don't know who Lighty Moon is, sad to say. In fact, if you're not a Southern Baptist, and each year we come up and, and uh, we say, hey, we're taking up money for Lighty Moon, people will come to me and say, when are we going to pay that gal off? Uh, my goodness. And the, it just keeps growing and growing on there. Lottie Moon uh, was born in Virginia, and she was born, I think, about 1834. Excuse me, 1840. And uh, Charlotte Diggers Moon, she went by Lottie. And, um, and around uh, 1871, God got a hold of her heart to go to China. And so she decides to go to China and feels that, that, that she wants to serve God in missions in China, and then she goes. And so in 1873, she obeys God's call, and she goes over to China. Now, Lottie Moon was four feet three inches tall. Four feet three inches tall at full growth. Now, sometimes people would look at her and say, you're a single lady, you're four feet three inches tall, there's not a lot you can do. You know way I look at it is? Hey, you talking about small seed, mustard seed? She's a mustard seed. That's about as small as you can get. And you know what she did? She goes to China. When she goes to China, 39 years, she gives her life to the people in China. 39 years. And as she works over there, thousands come to know Christ. And what she decided is that she would become a part of the people. She lived with the people. She dressed like the people. She took on their lifestyle and she became a part of the Chinese people. And in her writings, she wrote back to at that day called the Foreign Mission Board, and this is what she said. Now listen to this. These statements that she's making is exactly the strategy we use today. And this is back in around 1888. I am more and more impressed by the belief that to win these people to God, we must first win them to ourselves. 
We need to go out and live among them, manifesting the gentle and loving spirit of our Lord. We need to make friends before we can make converts. That's what we tell you to do today. As Christians, we're not supposed to hole up in some holy bubble and, and not get out in the world. We're to be out in the world. A Lottie Moon, four feet, three inches in China, said, this is what you need to do. Well, there were some revolutions and some wars that took place and food began to be a scarcity. And what she did, she took her food and she gave it to the Chinese people. Malnutrition set in, her health began to go down. And as her health began to go down, uh, they brought a nurse over to take her back to the United States. And they came and got her on about December 20th and fourth day into the journey. Uh, there on December 24th, 1912, she passed away in uh, Kobe, Japan. And she was 72 years old. And um, in 1888, she had been writing the foreign mission board saying, we need more missionaries, we need more money. So they started an offering, a Christmas offering, where they would send money, people would send money to the foreign mission board. Their first offering in 1888 was $3,315. Today, the goal for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering is $175 million. One woman, one seed, small seed, sizable shrub. Listen, you got to be encouraged that God can use you regardless of your age and regardless of your appearance. There's nothing about you that you can say, well, God can't use me because I'm too tall, too short, too skinny, too fat, too whatever. Whatever your appearance is, God can use you. Not only that, but he can use you whatever your aptitude is. Whatever your aptitude is. I've already proven you don't have to be real smart to be a pastor. This is great. <laughs> I mean, whatever your aptitude is, God can use you. Dwight L. Moody is just one of the favorites uh, of all time uh, over here. We told his story about when he was a shoe, uh, selling shoes and received Christ. Dwight L. Moody, he was born in 1837. He ended up having a fifth grade education, a fifth grade education. He started working for the YMCA. As he did work with the YMCA, he began to go out and speak and, and talk, and he became pretty popular in, in that. And all of a sudden, God got a hold of his life. And he got a hold of his life in 1871, and he said, God's called me to be an evangelist. All right, now, this is a guy with a fifth-grade education. Whenever he would write out his sermons, he had to write them out phonetically. And whenever he wrote a letter, he had to write it phonetically because he didn't really know how to spell, and he didn't have good grammar. And he got hammered by his critics. I mean, hammered, where they said... The guy just destroys the king's English. You don't understand grammar. You, don't, you can't spell. And so everyone's telling him, you'll never make it. He felt God called him to go to England. He went to England. He preached for two years in England and began to turn that whole nation upside down. He came back to the United States, and all of a sudden, he's like a famous evangelist. And he begins to preach here, and throngs of people are coming to him. And this man who uses poor English, doesn't have good grammar, is speaking to crowds anywhere from 10,000 to 20,000 people. And historians have said that when he died, between the voice that he spoke in and the pen that he wrote with, he shared the plan of salvation with over 100 million people. Fifth grade education. Now, kids, I'm not telling you to drop out of school, okay? Don't say, hey, I'm going to do like Moody. I'm, I'm out of school on that. His situation, his family situation, that's all he could do. 
But you see his aptitude. It would be very easy for us to be discouraged and to come up with excuses as to why we couldn't do things for the kingdom. And what Jesus has said, hey, just think small. Think small. Just a seed. You're just a mustard seed. And then we're going to see this big shrub begin to grow. And the very last thing is abilities. Is abilities. Everybody has different abilities. And I want to encourage you that God can use you regardless of your abilities. Do you know who God's using? He's using special needs children and adults with special needs. It's amazing some of the stories that we hear. You take an adult with special needs, they're very limited in their abilities. But when you see the heart of those people, and there'll be others that will come and come in contact with them, through their lives, they've been able to communicate the gospel to others and make an impact in their life. So when we began to see how can we be used, what's the kingdom of God like? The kingdom of God, it is like a small seed, and this small seed is going to have extensive growth through it. But then there was a second parable, and the second parable was about the leaven, which is yeast. In verse 33, he said, he had told them another parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. All right, it's like leaven, that's like yeast. So what would happen is is someone's putting their bread together and it says that she did three measures and they've measured out that these three measures is about as much as she can knead together and it would feed about 100 people when all that bread was baked. And what you take is you, you take this little fermented amount of dough over here and it's got the, the yeast or the leaven and when you're putting all the flour and all the ingredients together, when you place it in there and then you begin to mix it, it begins to permeate all of the bread. And so that's why the point is little leaven, intensive transformation. As this woman is putting together this bread, something begins to happen. The leaven begins to permeate and transform whatever it touches. An intensive transformation takes place in this bread. Now, although yeast is a minor ingredient, it permeates the entire loaf. I mean, it radically transforms everything that it comes in contact with. And it says the kingdom is like this yeast, this leaven, that once you stick it in the bread, putting it all in there, it just transforms it. I said, you got two kinds of bread. You got bread with no yeast, no leaven. It's just flat bread sitting right there. Okay? And for some, that's good. But you've got the one where you kind of hide a little yeast in there and you kind of knead it and do all this stuff and then you set it down. And you know what's going to get ready to happen? It begins to get bigger and bigger and bigger and you get this incredible loaf of bread and then you take it out of the oven and then you slice it off and then you take some butter and you put on top of <laughs> This is good. All right, no. But, I mean, that is some good eats right there. Don't you know what happened? That bread was completely transformed. It was just a flat piece of bread over here. But now all of a sudden, because we put this one small ingredient in there, it permeates it and it transforms it. Jesus says the kingdom of of God is like leaven in the bread. It just comes in. And when it comes in, it begins to permeate you. It begins to transform you. And you got to think about, think about his followers right now. I mean, think how they must have felt. 
I mean, they've got the Pharisees that are smarter than they are. They've got all these leaders in there in the synagogue that are more powerful than they are. And these people were just common, uneducated fishermen, farmers, carpenters, women, tax collectors, and other people. And yet Jesus says, hey, you're the ones that are going to be spreading the kingdom. So what happened? They got a little yeast in them. Their lives began to be transformed. And as it began to permeate and transform their lives, then all of a sudden, you see what the kingdom of God does. This is what it does. It's extensive growth, yes, but it's intensive transformation. It comes into the life of each one of us. And so as leaven changes the properties of the dough, so the Spirit of God comes into your life, He radically transforms you. There's that radical transformation. And so the kingdom of God is like leaven in the bread. And it permeates. There's a thoroughness there. It's a transformation. You see, see that's, why, that's why the Christian life, and that, that's why when we want to see things happen in this world, it's not just if we can get more people just to uh, come to church or more people to get baptized. It's more than that. It's a radical transformation. And the kingdom of God, the reign and rule of God in our lives is that when God's Spirit comes into our lives, convicts us of sin, and then begins to do a great work in us. That leaven, it permeates, it transforms, and it changes our life. When the Holy Spirit comes in, it begins to move in and through your life. And I want you to just think, flatbread versus a loaf of bread, a large loaf. So God's Spirit comes into your life, and when he comes into your life, then all of a sudden he begins to cover all the areas of your life. Some of them are pretty easy. You see that attitude you've got. It's an attitude of prejudice or anger. Uh, you got pride over here. Uh, there may be lust. There may be gossiping, maybe lying. There's some things that, that you know, and all of a sudden there's a transformation that begins to take place, and God begins to get a hold of your heart. But then there's also some of those doors that have been closed off that you don't let anybody in. But yet the power of God begins to come through and kind of seep through underneath that door and begin to deal with some of the secret sins that you have. And but he didn't just deal with them and say, oh, I'm, I convict you of it. He then gives you the freedom and the power to be free from that. He gives you the power to be free from those sins. And all of a sudden, your life is being transformed. And as your life, this metamorphosis takes place in your life, when that metamorphosis happens, all of a sudden you're living as a citizen of the kingdom of God. And this is how we began to see the kingdom of God advance and expand. Jesus says it's like a small seed, and it's going to go from a small seed to this uh, sizable uh, shrub. But then what is happening in the midst of that is there is this little bit of leaven that is permeating your life and there's this intensive transformation that begins to happen. It's like leaven working its way through the dough. The kingdom message spreads across the entire world. It pervades society and permeates the whole world. The kingdom, it's like a little leaven and a large loaf. Now this transformed life will pave the way for spiritual awakening and revival. This transformed life will pave the way for spiritual awakening and for revival. Uh, most everybody I talk to says they're real frustrated with where we are as a nation. And so uh, now we've got elections coming up, and we've got to endure all those commercials uh, <laughs> on there. But we have elections that are coming up. 
and, uh, and people making decisions for folks from whether it be local or whether it be state elections or the national elections coming up. And too often we sit there and say, we just need this incredible great move of God. And if we can just get the right man or woman elected uh, that will be sitting in these places of power, then, then we're going to see all the kingdom of God ushered in. Well, you know that's just not true, right? We've lived long enough to know that. Now, we need to hire good people. We need to hire people that are godly people that know what they're doing and can have integrity and serve this country, okay? And that's why we get the opportunity to vote. And so every one of us needs to do that. Study the candidates, vote for the one that you feel can take our country in the right direction. But do not think that if we can elect just this particular party or this particular candidate, that all of a sudden, hey, the kingdom's here. We're going to be in great shape. No, you know, that's not how even Jesus did it. He, he didn't usher it in with uh, some political coup. He says, think small. It starts out small, small beginnings. But then once that leaven gets in there, transformation begins to take place, and it permeates everything. You see, where it starts is with believers, when you think about we need spiritual awakening, we need revival, it's not a matter of us coming together and saying, let's just pray for those lost people and ask them to act right. Uh, you know, a lost person's acting just like a lost person's supposed to act. What we need to do is to see as believers and as Christians to allow God's word to completely permeate our lives, transform our lives, and then begin live as kingdom citizens and then we began to share the message and we began to live the life. And then when that begins to happen and then God begins to do incredible movement, then you begin to see spiritual awakening and then you begin to see revival. But it starts in the church. It starts with us thinking the kingdom of God, the reign and rule of God. You know what? It's that leaven that permeates. It transforms our life. And then you began to see amazing differences. I know I've shared this before uh, about the Second Great Awakening back in 1857. And there was a man by the name of Jeremiah Lamphere. He was a businessman. And a businessman who had a real heart for where our nation was going. And he was really concerned about the spiritual condition of, of the nation. So he became like a city missionary in New York City. And he was handing out tracts and he was talking to people and he was getting nowhere. So finally, God placed on his heart, and he says, Jeremiah, what you need to do is you need to pray. You need to bring people together, and we need to pray and pray for God to do an incredible thing. So he decided to do a noonday prayer meeting on September 23rd, and it was going to be at Dutch Reformed Church on Fulton Street there in, in New York. He put ads in the paper, told everybody about it. We're going to meet at noon, and we're going to have an incredible prayer time. Be here at noon. And he was right there at noon, and he was right there by himself. And at 12.15, he was still by himself. At 12.25, he was still by himself. And at 12.30, six people began to trickle in. Now, actually, who they were, were they were the members of Shades who were supposed to be in the 8 o'clock Sunday school class who usually get here about 30 minutes late. Is that correct? Okay, excuse me. Um, but uh, that's a different sermon. But for right here, so about, about six people, you know, they, they come sliding in. And that's, it, that's his prayer meeting. Wow, God's going to do incredible stuff. <laughs> me plus six. And so they prayed. So they did that. So they're going to do this once a week. Then all of a sudden, they came back together. The next time, they had about 40 people 
showed up. Then after they had about 40 people show up, somebody recommended, they said, why don't we do this every day at lunch? Not just once a week, every day at lunch. Let's do this. Why don't we bring, open up the city and say, hey, let's meet at lunch. Over the next number of months, 10,000 people came together at lunch every day and prayed for God to do a great work in our country. And it says that that was the beginning flames of the Second Great Awakening. Happened in 1857. And they said that within two years, there were over one million believers throughout the nation. And everyone can trace it back to one businessman who had a heart for God that said, we'll start small and we'll just see what God does. That's the way he works. And I love that. Because it's not like we have to sit on our pews waiting for some big thing of God to happen. What God is saying is the kingdom of God is just a small seed. It's going to be small beginnings. Don't worry about it. Trust me. I just need you to be faithful. It's just a little leaven. Listen, it will permeate. It's going to work. It may take some time, but it will be thorough. It will be transformative. And all of this is going to happen. And when we open our hearts and lives to understand that, then that means that God not only does something great right here at Shades Mountain Baptist Church, but then it begins to spill over into Vestavia and Hoover and Oak Mountain and Pelham and then on the other side of the mountain and also in, in Homewood and then in the, into uh, the, the inner part of, of Birmingham and on West End and on and on and then through Alabama and the United States and even the world. And we don't ever need to sit there and think too, too small. You want to think small at the beginning, but then say, God, hey, just a mustard seed, we can get a sizable shrub. Just a little leaven, we can get a large loaf. It's not our responsibility to see what the large loaf is going to look like or the sizable shrub. Our responsibility is to be the seed, the yeast, just that small start. And say, God, I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part. How can you use me to be part of that small beginning? What can you do in my life so that I can be used by you to be that small beginning? And may we see the kingdom of God that way. And may it change our lives radically so that we can impact this world for Christ. Let me ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. Father, we are so thankful for the teachings that you give us in your word. And, um, and Lord, um, sometimes we keep sitting kind of waiting for the beginning and we wait for something huge to happen when you keep reminding us that it just starts small and then let you do the work. You know, Lord, when a mustard seed goes in the ground, there's nothing more we can do. It's just the seed dies to itself, and then all of a sudden life comes and this plant grows, which is incredible. And Lord, when, we may put, when leaven may get into bread, there's nothing we can do. It's just it takes care of itself and begins to move and grow. And so I pray, Father, that we would take those first steps and say, God, I just want to be used by you. No matter how small or maybe how large it grows, 
I just want my life to be open to you. I want to be used by you, and I want to see your kingdom advanced. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.